Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. I'm so glad you're here today. We are just starting this new conversation about how do we talk to our kids about the gospel when they're in different stages of life. And we've decided to break it down into ages. And last week we talked about this broad overview. When we look at all of the ages and stages, this week we are only going to be talking about our littlest ones. We're going to talk about them for the first few minutes from the practical sense. What do you do with your two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old? Because we're talking about our little toddlers and our preschoolers all the way up into about kindergarten age. How do we engage with them about Jesus and make it worthwhile where it actually um, speaks to their brain, to to where their thinking is, to their maturity level. And then at the very end, we're actually going to talk about this when we're talking to our child who may be an older child, but spiritually is very, very young in their faith. And so I want to apply it in both ways. So first of all, we're talking simply about this young child. We have established that a child who is a preschooler or a toddler, what are they the most interested in? What is their stage of life? They are totally into exploring, aren't they? And they explore everything. Oh my goodness. From the time any of mine have figured out they can crawl, right? They're kind of lunging out of our arms and wanting to crawl all over the floor and touch everything and put everything in their mouth. And it doesn't really change. I mean, by 18 months, two years old, they're not shoving everything in their mouth anymore, thank goodness. But they're still wanting to touch and explore everything. And so we're in a stage with them where the world is engaging. It's entrancing. Everything is exciting. And so God enters into everything as we walk with our kids in their exploration. We want them to experience the truth that God is a part of every facet of their life. This is the age. I I love little people because I love the opportunity, just like it says in Deuteronomy 6, where it says, you shall teach diligently to your children. And it's talking about what Let me back up. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses is saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit in your house, 
shall talk about them when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You'll bind them as a sign on your hand. There'll be a frontlet between your eyes. You will write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And for me, in this early stage, that's the thinking I have with my little ones, is I just want God to be ever-present as my little one explores their world. So we're crawling on the ground, looking at beetles and wondering where the beetle is walking on his path home to meet his mama beetle and tell about his day. And we're talking about how God made that beetle. And we look at and marvel at the shape of the beetle or the way the birds sound. God made the birds sing that way. And why would he make the bird sing that way? Well, it's to bring glory to him. The bird is singing songs of praise. And we know this in the Bible. And we talk about how God made them. And why would God make them? And well, he makes you because he loves you. And he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. And so every part of their world is exploration. And in every part of their world, God exists. He's engaged. So we just want to crack that door open and help them experience who God is, who Jesus is, how much he loves them. This is where one day one of ours, we had he had gone to this museum and I actually had not gone with them to this museum. And it was a museum of like, animals that had been hunted and killed. So um, we live in the South. So this person had was a big game hunter and had a museum where he had basically taken these animals back. And I don't know, he probably did it 50 years ago. I think this thing has been around for a very long time. So it is what it is. But my child had the opportunity to walk between the legs of a giraffe. And it changed his world that day. Because he's a little preschooler. And we've looked at giraffes. We've talked about giraffes. We've seen giraffes on TV, all the things about a giraffe. But when he stood beneath the legs of a giraffe and looked up and saw how big this animal truly is, he was stunned. And he carried this feeling home to me. And we began to unpack it that night as I was tucking him in bed. And he's telling me how big it is in the legs and what the, the fur was like. And mommy, it's so tall. It's taller than you. It's taller than daddy. And it's taller than the door. And we're walking around the room and all that it's taller than. And all of a sudden, Timothy turned around and looked at me and he said, mommy, is Is God bigger than the giraffe or is the giraffe bigger than God? And you see, that's a very important question for our little ones to to begin to catch. And he began to plug into what he knew about God, this massive creature he had just experienced and the recognition that as small as he felt next to a giraffe, the God who made him was so, so much bigger. It began to break open his ideas about God that night. And we began to unpack who God was in light of a giraffe. And that's 
the conversations, the beautiful conversations of experiencing God in the exploration with a young child. And we want to begin those conversations and have these moments. They're not deep spiritually. There's no need for me to explain how big God is. And no, because he, his world was rocked because God is bigger than a giraffe. And that's all he needed that night. And God's love must be so big. And God's care of him is so big. Because if that giraffe could be so big and God is bigger, God is awesome. And that's what he went to bed believing. You see, when we begin and we enter into the exploration with our little ones, God is very applicable. When we have more mature children, but they are in this phase of learning about God, whether they are fully adults or somewhere in between, but they have not moved beyond. They have not experienced God in the realness of who God is, the awesomeness of who God is. Then we have to begin conversations with our bigger people in this space of how big God is, how great his love is, how huge he is, yet so intimate with us that he is. And so we begin with our older people. We can't dive deep into deep theological truths with older, pe- older kids who haven't yet experienced God. And so, again, we're jumping between a preschooler in their mindset, full mindset, and a maybe a preschool mindset only spiritually. But here I'm talking really quickly We want our older kids to experience God and see God at work. And so when I am walking with older kids who I believe don't really know Jesus and they haven't owned their faith and it is not a part of every part of them yet, that means I need to pull them back into a place of experiencing God and pointing out moments where God intersects their world. And really a great um, example of this with one of my older children, I had an older child who was really wrestling with their faith. And I realized that that's where they were. And I began praying that God would become real to them in crazy ways, that they would experience God in ways that would blow their mind that they could not deny it was God at work. So that instead of there being this wondering, is God real? We could cement that truth in their mind that God is real. Because in their faith walk, they were in this preschooler stage. So I began praying, God, I need you to make yourself known to this child, that they can experience you in a way that is only from you. And it was amazing because then over the course of the next week and a half, and again, when you pray something like that, be get ready and get ready to look for it and to help your child recognize what just happened. Because sometimes with our little ones, just like a physical little one doesn't really understand what how to interpret something that just happened, our spiritual little ones can't interpret. So this child 
had three different encounters in the following week where people spoke radical truth into that child's life that they should not have known about that child. And these were not people I knew. So I had not, you know, my child knew I could not have set up these conversations. They were completely only Holy Spirit driven. These people had insight into this child in ways only God would have allowed. And the child would came out to me at one time. I wasn't in it. And the child came out and relayed the conversation. And I was like, they said that? And this child said, yes. And, I, and so we began to unpack, how would they know that? And the reality is of what they had ex- said, it was so clear. Only God could have led that person to say what they said. And beginning to help this child see God and experience a holy God who is intimately involved in their life, moved this child through experiencing God and saying, God is at work in my life. He is engaged with me. He is real and worthy of me beginning to figure out how to know him. So older child, we want to begin to pray fiercely, let they experience God. And we are looking for those places because I promise you, God wants your child to experience him. He is honored by those prayers. And so he will answer those prayers. And as a parent, we want to also see and be looking for those so that we can help this child see that. For our very little ones, we are engaged, right? We are exploring with them. And so we are helping them experience God for who he is in his majesty, his creativity, his love, his faithfulness, and his um, constant provision for them. So. That is the first two ideas that I wanted to get out. The phase they're in, they explore. The goal of the phase, they experience God. How does the gospel apply, though, in our parenting? This is where we're going to pull it down into a micro moment, into like the real nitty gritty of the day. Like, well, okay, that's great. And I can talk to my kid all the time when they're doing great and we're just having a happy moment and everything's easy, but how does the gospel work when my toddler is completely throwing a fit, losing their mind, scared to go to bed, won't obey, hitting everybody, biting everybody? I mean, like, does the gospel work in those spaces? And the answer is yes. Yes, it does. But how it works I want you and I to sit together and we're really going to open this up now. So the first thing I want you to understand is how the gospel applies. We are applying the gospel in lots of places of correction. This phase with our kids naturally is a phase of correction. You are in that stage with your child. So You, if you're like me and you have children like we have, you are nonstop all day long feeling like you're saying, don't do this. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Please stop. Come here. No, etc. 
And it is wearisome, isn't it? It's just, I mean, like I could get to the end of the day with some of mine and like, oh man, oh my goodness. I just, I just wanted them to go to bed. I just needed a break. It's a high, high level of correction in this phase. But if I can help you see something, it is this. This is such a beautiful opportunity to tell about Jesus' love. And mom, I know you're tired. And I know your kid is driving you crazy. But when the lie comes to your mind, which is, I am so tired of this kid doing this. I'm sick to death of this kid doing this. He, he, why can't he get this? Why can't she stop? When those lies begin to attack your mind, that this should be fixed, this shouldn't keep happening, it must be me, it must be my kid, all of that, that is designed to wear you down to make you feel defeated and to make you lose sight of your awesome role. But you are the hope giver to this little sinner that you get to walk every day with. You're the one you get to give him or her hope because they, you know, when we bring our child into a bathroom, like we do, and I like to I like to bring my child into a bathroom mainly because I just need to get some time alone with them and I believe very strongly that discipline is never shame based or shame oriented so I want to do it in private so that they're never embarrassed I think sometimes when we just correct out in public it can be embarrassing and it becomes a shame driven event and I want correction and discipline to be So relationship building between me and my child that I want to do it in a private place where I can have their full attention so that they're not looking at what anybody else is thinking about what mommy's saying to them right now. And so I want it to be in a private place. And then secondly, the reason I bring them in the bathroom is is I just, I needed to get quiet. I want them to have some time to think. So even when they're very young, from the time that they're very young, we kind of go into a bathroom and we sit. And when they're very young, I sit with them while they quietly think about why they're in the bathroom for a few minutes. And then a little bit older than two, I just ask them to go sit for a few minutes in the bathroom and think about why mommy sent you in here. Mommy be right in here to talk to you about it. And then I, and I'm telling you, you need to kill the lies that are going to come swarming over your mind that you are dealing with this issue again or that you cannot believe you have to deal with this issue or that you're embarrassed to deal with this issue, whatever it may be. So, I mean, I have had my kids do all sorts of embarrassing things in public, thrown fits, hit children, hit, I mean, hit me in public because they're throwing a fit. Um, You name it, my kids have done it where it's embarrassing. Um, my kids have done it repeatedly where I cannot understand why in the course of one day we have to be disciplining this. Like, why can't they get this piece of information that this is not okay? So I understand those feelings, but those feelings are driven and sourced in a lie that says you should be annoyed by this. And that is your flesh 
and it's just a lie. Because instead, I want you to understand this is your place, your your opportunity to point to Jesus and say, I, I know you feel hopeless in this moment because you're back in here with the same issue or you now feel bad because you are in the bathroom over this thing, but you have hope and it's Jesus. So what I want you to do, what I want to encourage you to do is flip the script. Do not accept those lies. And instead, and maybe you have to write it on a note card or write it on your bathroom mirror. But I want you to say, this is my opportunity. This is my, this is my moment. And because what you really want is you really want your child to get to a place where in this stage, in this stage, they understand this one big truth. And the big truth is, You don't have to be good enough because God's love is big enough. Now that truth was actually said by my five-year-old. I thought it was profound the way he said it, but I want you to understand when we take our child into a place of talking to them about discipline, there are six quick things I'm going to accomplish. And remember, this is a stage of exploration. So I have to be, I mean, I have to be on it and quick. My, my verbalization, my verbalization is quick. My sentence structure is small. I'm in and I'm out. And I want to get a point across to my child, which was you're in here because you did this fill in the blank and it was wrong. So that's my rebuke. One sentence. Then I clarify my expectations, which are, we, we are, we do not do that because we are called to be kind or obedient or whatever. So I'm going to clarify my expectations, one sentence. And then I say though, I want to know the heart behind why you did that. Now your two-year-old is not going to be able to verbalize that, but we are in a, in a season where we are training that, where we want them to look deep inside of themselves and understand why would I act that way? Because ultimately as they grow up, why they're acting that way is their sin nature in need of a savior. And so when we're, we are drawing them already into a conversation of why did you disobey mommy? Let's pretend like this child disobeyed mommy, shouted no at mommy and didn't want to do something. And what I'm looking for is for this child to say, I didn't want to do it. And so I may have to ask, did you not want to obey mommy? Did you want to do something different? So I'm going to help them verbalize it. They can't, I'm not expecting them to verbalize it, but I'm going to walk them through what lies beneath the action because really the action is not That is a symptom of a heart in need of a savior. So we don't want to stay up here on the symptom, which is don't disobey. No, we want to help even our little ones examine, why would I disobey? Well, I would disobey because I want my way. I want my whatever, right? And it is the wanting of my way, the selfishness, the I want to be my own God that needs to surrender to Jesus ultimately. So we we drive back into why would you why would you disobey? What, did you want your own way? Did you want 
did you want? Whatever. And then we point to Jesus's help. You know, you're not going to be able to obey mommy all day long. You, you can't. Mommy can't obey God all day long. It's so hard for mommy. I, I can be mean. I can be rude. I can want my own way. But Jesus helps me because Jesus knew I would not be able to obey all day. And he came and he died for my sins and he died for your sins because he loves us. And then we say, we look for repentance and we begin to lead them through repentance, which is a confession of I did that and that was wrong because my heart wanted my own way. And then a desire to be different and forgiveness from me and then Pray, leading them in prayer, which means I'm praying for them and leading them in their prayer time of confession. Even at two years old, they can copy. And again, we're talking one sentence, two sentences. We're quick. And then there's a blessing, which is this vision casting. So when we point to Jesus, we're giving them the hope. You can't do this, buddy. And you've been in the bathroom over this three times today. I'm tired. You're tired. We're both dealing with this issue. But Jesus is never tired. He loves you even though you keep doing this. And so now finally, after the prayer, his apology, the prayer, is there? there's a blessing that comes that says, I know God is going to work in you in this. He is going to make you a man after his heart or a woman after his heart. And I am praying for you in that. And I am walking with you in this pursuit. And then I love you. Out the door you go. Let's go back in there and try again. Right? And mercies are new. So gospel conversations in this stage are short and sweet. They're very simple. They're not long and involve processes. We're not pulling out tons of scripture and proving our point. We are only addressing one issue. So do not bring a child in the bathroom and address multiple things. It's just the one. Everything else, let it go. If you let it go before, let it go. So finally, the last thing I want you to understand in this stage is you are invited to become a student of your child right here, the moment they were born. Study your child. Ask God to give you insight into your kid. Ask him to show you the nuances of your child, the places where you can watch. They might be a little bit afraid and even ask God to help you see where maybe they're afraid and then they cover it up so that you see the fear that lies beneath or they are mean, but then they cover it up. Like ask God to help you see the true child. Even if you have a child who seems really good, ask God to help you understand the heart motivations of your child. Become a student because you are the one who gives a vision and a hope to that child. And to do that, really, the gospel unpacks itself the most beautifully. We recognize our desperate need for the gospel when we see our desperate state we're in. You found Jesus because you realized how much sin you had and you needed a Savior, and your child is no different. And so we welcome this sin, not because we're going to sit around in it, but because we're going to put it in front of the cross and help our child see Jesus is who they need. So this week, 
the age and the stage. You're exploring. You're experiencing God. You're having conversations that are simple and short and really are only pivoting to this big truth. You don't have to be good enough because God's love for you is big enough. Jesus loves you. I want you to know a lot of these resources you can find on my website in different ways. So if you need something, definitely head there. You can find some written out versions of this, conversations you can have with your child, ways you can communicate big truths to your children, ways you can help them experience God. Um, you can find those all at bethanykimsey.com. And again, if you have questions, please continue to send them to me. You can find me on Instagram and you can find me on my website. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.